You are listening to the FDNY Pearl Podcast, featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I am your host, Captain Farouk Mohammed, and today I'll be speaking with Lieutenant Robert Carlo. Welcome, Lieutenant Carlo, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Could you please tell us a little bit about your career with the FDNY? Sure. I joined the FDNY as an emergency medical technician in 2005 and was assigned to the Borough of Queens. In 2006, I completed the Hashtag Basic program, which involved extensive training in various levels of chemical protective clothing and respiratory protection. I graduated from FDNY Paramedic Basic 8 in 2007 and became a rescue paramedic in 2011. In 2015, I accepted the promotion to lieutenant. I'm also a member of the ceremonial unit, dignitary protection unit, and a preceptor. Most recently, I became the EMS liaison to the FDNY Safety Command. Can you tell us a little bit about your job with the FDNY Safety Command? As part of the Safety Command, I have many responsibilities. I track member injuries and assaults, needle sticks, and I sit on the medical equipment and vehicle committees. I am also responsible for identifying ways to better protect our members from the variety of dangers that they face every day through education, training, or new equipment. While performing this research, I came across the dangers posed by our vehicles, specifically in the realm of diesel fuel and its byproducts. This led me to examine the other chemicals that were common in the EMS workplace, and I decided that it would be prudent to educate and remind our members about these hidden dangers. Could you briefly tell us what we'll be talking about today in this podcast? Sure. We will talk about the routine chemical exposures in the EMS workplace, and how our members can effectively deal with and mitigate those dangers. We want to make sure that those that dedicate themselves to the service of others take some simple, common-sense steps to protect themselves so that they can have long careers and a long, healthy retirement. Thanks for sharing that with us. So, Lieutenant Carlo, what types of chemicals are we exposed to? Uh, There are so many. Remember that the EMS station fills plenty of roles. It's a home, a business, a gas station, a medical facility, and a decontamination area. Diesel exhaust fluid, diesel fuel, diesel exhaust, window cleaner, oven cleaner, bleach, floor cleaner, disinfecting wipes, the list is truly endless. Frequently we don't even recognize the dangers of these chemicals because we are around them so much. That complacency is dangerous. With education, I know that EMS providers can better protect themselves and their long-term health. Yeah, we get accustomed to using this stuff every single day and it becomes like second nature to us. If something gets contaminated, we take the bleach wipes and we wipe it down. We don't always think about the stuff we're using and how it can be harmful to us, and we should be more careful. Right. It's that everyday usage that breeds that complacency. The, oh, no, no, I've used it for years. I've seen everybody else doing it this way. But when we use our chemicals like that, it's because we don't understand the long-term effects of what's happening to us because of that. That's what we're trying to prevent is these members having exposures that build up over time and really cause some damage. We don't feel the effects at that moment and you think, oh, this is fine. It doesn't register that over a long period of time, these chemicals can accumulate in your system and later on in life you can have issues. Correct. A lot of these chemicals don't necessarily have a tremendous impact at first, which is why we become complacent. But if you've ever used bleach without gloves, you'll notice maybe some contact dermatitis, some itching, some redness and swelling. But over time that response can become worse and worse. And it's something that we can avoid entirely through the use of protective equipment that we have readily available. And we can protect ourselves, our partners, our families better by following these best practices. So what are some of the symptoms of a chemical exposure? Well, it's hard to say because every chemical is different. In general, you should refer to the material safety data sheets for the chemicals you're using 
or just look on the container. Exposure can cause a loss of vision, pain in the throat, pain or burning in the nose, the eyes, the ears, lips or tongue, abdominal pain, blood in the stool, diarrhea, nausea and vomiting, maybe blood in the vomit, breathing difficulties from breathing in fumes, throat swelling from breathing in fumes, uh, nervous system depression, difficulty concentrating, dizziness, drowsiness, headaches, lightheadedness, everything up to unconsciousness, seizures, and death. But it could also be minor symptoms, like if it gets onto your skin, it can cause blisters, burns, and irritation. The list goes on. And that's just the short-term effects. Plenty of chemicals we work with every day, like diesel fuel, are potentially carcinogenic, with effects not being seen until many years after exposure. And when you're talking about nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, blood in the stool, is this from stuff at the station that can cause this? It is. But this is stuff that can cause you side effects if it's being used without the proper protections in place. Anything can be potentially dangerous if you don't use it correctly. No one is going to a station and drinking the bleach we use to decontaminate something because we understand that that's dangerous. But if there's an accidental exposure and it gets into your digestive tract, then it can cause these symptoms. You mentioned diesel fuel. Tell us what's bad about diesel fuel. Well, there are these substances called polyaromatic hydrocarbons that are a carcinogenic compound of diesel fuel. And while accidental ingestion is unlikely due to the foul taste and smell of diesel fuel, cross-contamination can easily happen, say from an ungloved hand going to your mouth. Accidental or purposeful ingestion can result in internal burns and a variety of other symptoms. But thankfully, this can all be prevented with proper use of personal protective equipment while refueling and by following best practices. A few years ago, we began using diesel exhaust fluid. Now, that's less dangerous than diesel fuel, right? It is, but just because it's less dangerous doesn't mean that it's safe. Diesel exhaust fluid is a solution of about 32% urea and water. Urea is a compound of nitrogen that breaks down into ammonia when it's heated, such as if it hits the human body. It's used in a variety of industries, including as fertilizer and in agriculture. So while it's not incredibly dangerous, the skin irritation on contact can and does occur. Again, proper use of personal protective equipment, gloves, and being attentive at the pump will protect yourself and your coworkers. It's pretty simple to just put some gloves on, but we take that for granted. We figure we're just pumping fuel. We do it at the gas station. When you fuel your own personal vehicle, you don't take gloves out, right? So we take things like that for granted on the job. We go to the station. We need diesel fuel. We'll pull out the pump. We start fueling. Yeah, it leaks. It gets on your uniform. It gets on your skin. But we may not take it that seriously. Well, that's what tends to happen. But we should. We need to wear gloves. We need to protect ourselves. Don't get it on your uniform. Don't get it on your skin. Because this stuff can hurt you. Correct. And it's the hurt that isn't really going to be apparent right away. And that's the sort of complacency that we have to deal with. We're trying to educate our members in the knowledge that just because it happens frequently and you don't see immediate damage, that doesn't mean that it's okay. It's a very simple thing to just put a pair of gloves on, activate the pump, refuel your vehicle, and then properly dispose of the gloves afterwards and then wash your hands. It's an important part of the process. And if we're doing something else in our job that requires gloves or personal protective equipment, we wouldn't think twice about it. But because it's something we do outside of work, we assume that it's safe. And in reality, it's pretty dangerous. So when it comes to diesel exhaust, are most of the bad chemicals burned away during the combustion process? No, it's still incredibly dangerous. Let me explain what diesel exhaust actually is. It's both the exhaust gases plus the contained particulates. The gas portion of diesel exhaust is mostly carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, nitric oxide, nitrogen dioxide, sulfur oxides, and hydrocarbons, including highly carcinogenic polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. 
The soot, the particulate portion of the diesel exhaust, is made up of particles of carbon, organic materials, uh, more polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, formaldehyde, benzene, traces of metallic compounds. The International Agency for Research on Cancer has even listed diesel exhaust as a known carcinogen in humans. And while the primary concern from diesel exhaust is obviously lung cancer, diesel exhaust is potentially linked to other cancers, such as lymphomas, leukemias, and cancers of the bladder, larynx, esophagus, stomach, and pancreas. The short-term exposure to high concentrations of diesel exhaust can cause headaches, dizziness, and irritation of the eyes, nose, and throat. Prolonged diesel exhaust exposure can also increase the risk of cardiovascular, cardiopulmonary, and respiratory diseases. This stuff is dangerous. That's why we have the Niederman system in place to remove it from our work areas as much as possible and to avoid exposure and contamination of our members. It's easy to become complacent. We're in our vehicles all the time and they're running because we have to let them run. If we don't, the batteries die and we can't get to the call. So I think we have to take precaution when we can. When we're out there, don't park your vehicle anywhere where those exhaust fumes can get caught or trapped and you can be inhaling it because that's going to cause some serious problems or it can cause some serious problems. And correct me if I'm wrong, but over time, you kind of get used to the smell. Right. Smell is a terrible indicator to try to tell if something is dangerous or not. We can't smell carbon monoxide either, but we all know that that is incredibly dangerous for us to inhale. Yeah, it's an odorless gas, right? Tasteless, odorless, and colorless. Yeah, colorless, you cannot detect it short of using our carbon monoxide detectors, which is why every member is issued one when they log on for the day with the radio at the start of their tour. It's a way to detect this harmful chemical and protect ourselves. But diesel exhaust can build up in overhangs and enclosed environments. If you've ever been 89 and someone complained about the diesel exhaust venting into their business or home because the truck's been on, and that pipe is facing into that area, these are valid concerns. And why we need to be more aware of where the diesel exhaust is venting out of, not only for the public, but for ourselves. So we talked a lot about vehicles and the dangers with vehicles such as diesel exhaust, diesel exhaust fluid, and diesel exhaust fumes and fuel. What other dangers do we have to deal with and are exposed to when it comes to chemicals at the workplace? We have so many different chemicals in our EMS stations. Like I said before, our EMS stations fill a variety of roles and we have a variety of chemicals to accomplish those missions. For instance, we have disinfecting wipes to take care of our equipment and for spot decontamination for bloodborne pathogens or any sort of bodily fluids on our stair chairs, our stretchers, the bench, and the ambulance. I can't count the number of times I've seen members using them without gloves, and that is incredibly dangerous. The directions and warnings are clear on the container. You have to use disposable gloves. You're supposed to avoid contact with skin, eyes. You're not supposed to ingest anything while you're using it. You have to avoid this stuff. Think about it. These disposable wipes kill 99.9% .9 of bacteria, of viruses, etc. Why would you want this to get onto or into your body? All of these products recommend washing your hands after you use them and that's with using gloves. And while these products are very helpful, they're truly time savers when it comes to cleaning, they have to be recognized as the powerful cleaning solutions that they are. Some of this stuff is not just alcohol, and even that's not good. And there are other wipes that we use that have a ton of chemicals in them. Nobody even reads those labels and actually knows what's in them. But once again, we take it for granted and we figure, oh, an alcohol wipe. Well, that's actually some other type of potentially dangerous chemical wipe that is not just alcohol. Right, so we have a variety of wipes. I would love to just tell you that there are X, Y, or Z chemical, and that's what we're talking about, but the formulations are all different for the different brands, the concentrations are all different. They all go about their own proprietary way of killing all these microorganisms, but all that is dangerous. 
There is no wipe that I found that we use that doesn't have warnings saying to use personal protective equipment, gloves, while using them. That's why on the hospital wipes you'll frequently see a picture of a baby with a circle and a line through it, or a person with a circle and a line through it, specifically warning that those are not to be used as body wipes. They are not to be used to cleanse skin. They are potentially very dangerous. These wipes, the chemicals impregnated into them, are designed to kill stuff. Why would you want that anywhere near you? Speaking of all these different kinds of wipes, and I know we have them, which ones would you suggest and consider the most safe? Should we stick with bleach wipes? Do they work for everything? Should we be dealing with those other kinds of wipes that are out? Do we even need those wipes at all, or should we just use bottle bleach? Well, there are a few things there. We should always use a wipe that is available to us to decontaminate hard surfaces in a way that is compliant with the manufacturer's instructions. Used correctly, and we do use them correctly most of the time, they're incredibly effective for what they're meant to do. But just bleach itself is not inherently safer. Bleach, you know, just because it's sold in the supermarket doesn't mean it's okay. It's very dangerous, and I'm not talking about ruining your uniform if it gets on you. Common household bleach can cause severe burns to your eyes, your skin, your mucous membranes. Bleach fumes are incredibly harmful. If you're using hot water and bleach and you breathe that in, you can have severe respiratory irritation. Don't forget that bleach isn't an acid, it's a base, with an average pH of somewhere between 11 and 13 depending on the concentration. That puts it in the same category as oven cleaner, ammonia solutions, and just shy of liquid drain cleaner. As a base, there isn't an immediate feeling of burning that lets you know that the damage is being done. It'll happen minutes later, hours later, and the damage is irreversible at that point. You've been exposed to this chemical and it's in your respiratory tract, it's in your skin. The best thing you can do is manage the symptoms from there on out. As odd as this may sound, some of these wipes, even though they contain toxic chemicals, don't smell bad. So subconsciously, you may not think that these wipes contain noxious fumes or anything dangerous. You may think, hey, these don't smell too bad. How harmful can they be? Citrus fresh, right? They smell fantastic. Because these are commercial products that are meant to be used in common areas by a variety of people, if they smell horrific, they would sell less. That's just marketing. And while yes, a pleasant citrus smell is something that is better than say just bleach or ammonia outright, smell is not an indicator of the potency of a chemical. As you mentioned previously with carbon monoxide, just because something doesn't smell noxious doesn't mean that it's okay. That just means that the marketing is okay. Is there anything else about these chemicals that we should know about? Yeah, I would say that don't mix them together is a very important message. Like I said earlier, the diesel exhaust fluid has urea, which breaks down into ammonia. Glass cleaners also frequently contain ammonia, which may or may not be detectable by smell. I know we covered that previously, but you have to remember that you don't know for certain what's inside of a proprietary chemical blend. It's safer to not mix them. Mixing bleach and ammonia causes the release of toxic vapors called chloramines. This is a group of compounds that are known to irritate the respiratory system. Exposure to these gases can trigger symptoms such as watery eyes, nausea, coughing, shortness of breath, chest pain, and irritation of the throat, nose, and eyes. <laughs> Not to mention the potential creation of hydrochloric acid and liquid hydrazine, two incredibly dangerous chemical compounds. At the end of the day, do not mix chemicals. And that goes back to the basics we learned years ago. Simple. Don't mix these things. I have to push this point one more time because it's so important. And we do it unknowingly. You'll use a bleach wipe on a surface and then get another chemical and go over it. That's mixing. You don't have to put it in a bucket and mix it. They're still being mixed. You're using one chemical over the other, and that's still creating these fumes by mixing these chemicals together. Right. If you clean the floor of the ambulance with bleach, and then you're wiping off the bench or the stair chair with a cleansing wipe, or you throw it on the ground because you're done with it, the floor of the ambulance is still saturated with bleach. And now you've made a chemical combination and you have no idea what it is. 
and that can be potentially much more harmful for yourself. Always rinse all the chemicals that you use off with fresh water. Don't let any residue get left behind. You have to make sure that you don't mix any of these things either purposefully or accidentally. Just because you use Windex and bleach in your own home or someone in your family does it, doesn't make it safe or okay. I only found out about the hydrochloric acid and liquid hydrazine myself when I was doing some research on the combination of bleach and ammonia. That's just two of the chemicals that you can find in any supermarket. I can't even begin to tell you about all the combinations that could happen with all the chemicals that we have available to us inside of the EMS stations. That's kind of the nature of this information is to get out there that no mixing of chemicals is safe. Another thing I think we should mention is that sometimes you might be at your station or workplace and notice that some of these chemicals were put away left opened. If you're going to use this stuff, close it, seal it, don't leave it around like that because if it spills and then something else spills, now there are vapors and chemical combinations building up in there that could potentially harm someone. They may not be aware of it, they may not smell it. So if you're going to use bleach or ammonia or whatever it is that you're cleaning your equipment with, close it up before you put it away carefully. Right, and that also brings up a really good point is to never pour one chemical into another container. If you're going to use a chemical, use it in the original container that it came in and not say make a spray bottle that's unlabeled. You don't know if that's bleach, if it's ammonia, if it's glass cleaner, or just straight water. Never use an unlabeled bottle and never make an unlabeled bottle. Oh yeah, nobody's ever done that before, right? Mix a couple of chemicals and put it away in a bottle and not label it. No, no, never. We've also never had an accident <laughs> happen where you sprayed bleach onto something and you were expecting another chemical to come out. These are just a bunch of simple, easy-to-follow guidelines and rules that can help keep us all safer. If you leave a chemical open, not only can it potentially lose its potency, in the case of a disinfectant, it won't kill the way it's supposed to, but now you could have two chemicals mixing in a very potentially volatile reaction. And it might not be you that's exposed to it. It could be the next person to come up to it and tries to use whatever they think is inside that container. That's why we have to be careful, not just for ourselves, but also for our coworkers, our friends, and family. That's a very important point. And speaking of things potentially getting splashed in one's eyes, there might be some first responders that don't know how to use eyewash stations. You shouldn't be afraid to go to your supervisor and say, hey boss, can you please show me how to use the eyewash station? How does it work? Because if I do get something in my eyes, I want to be able to act on it and limit the exposure. When was the last time that one of us went over and opened the eyewash station? We're not gonna do it because we didn't get anything in our eyes, but you should still be familiar with it know where it is and make sure that it works and i know that as officers we do that we make sure that things work and they get inspected periodically but in general i don't think our emts paramedics or first responders at these locations are checking out their awa stations you should be familiar with where it is make sure that it works and if you don't know how to use it ask your supervisor absolutely and i think that's something that we see there and we take for granted that it works but like you said officers frequently inspect these stations to make sure that they're operational and they work but if you're exposed to a chemical and it's in your eyes, that shouldn't be the first time that you're trying to use an eye wash station. We don't practice that way with any of the other techniques that we use, with any of our life-saving skills. You practice first in a calm environment, and then we work it into something that's more stressful. You certainly don't want to have a chemical in your eyes, and now you're trying to figure out how to work the eye wash station. You can't read instructions if you have bleach in your eyes. It's those low-frequency, high-risk situations that get you caught up. These are the things that you don't do very often, but when it comes time to do them, you don't know how. So you should practice scenarios that are very dangerous and can kill you more often because when the time comes for you to act, you'd better know how to take care of yourself. Right, because we're talking about something that the price of failure could be your vision. It could be your life. It's easy enough to fix these things immediately. If you immediately wash a chemical out of your eyes after you're exposed, you can remove most of that contaminant quickly and efficiently and limit your overall exposure. 
Every second that you waste while you're still exposed to this chemical, while it's still in your skin or your face or your mucous membranes, it's more time that it has to damage you. But all this is after you've been exposed by not following our best practices. What should we be doing to protect ourselves around these sort of routine chemical exposures? If you follow our best practices, if you follow the manufacturer's recommendations, if you use your personal protective equipment, gloves, you can drastically limit your exposure to these chemicals. They're a great barrier. Don't forget to wash your hands immediately after taking the gloves off and properly disposing of them. If you just see a pair of gloves laying around, you always assume they're dirty, right? We don't ever think, oh, that must be a clean pair of gloves laying on the floor. That reminds me of one of my pet peeves. Don't bring gloves into the front of the cab of the ambulance. Don't keep those gloves on and cross-contaminate the steering wheel, door handles, radio microphones. I would wipe everything down at the start of my tour anyway, but still, be considerate of your coworkers, and please remember to take your gloves off before you enter the front of the ambulance. Right, that's a pet peeve of mine too. Please do not go in the front of the ambulance wearing gloves. Everyone is going to assume that they're dirty, and then we have to decontaminate the entire front of the ambulance before anyone can use it again. But at the same time, you shouldn't be touching anything else while you're wearing them either. You shouldn't eat or drink or smoke while using these gloves or handling any of these chemicals. You shouldn't be smoking at all, but that's something for a different podcast. If something does get into your eyes, you should open them and rinse them slowly and gently with water for 15 to 20 minutes. If you're wearing contact lenses, keep them in for the first five minutes. Get rid of as much chemical as you can, and then take them out and continue rinsing. When you use a chemical, you should do it in a well-ventilated area. Get rid of the fumes, get rid of the exposure. Be careful when you clean with hot water too, because the steam can carry the chemicals that you were using. If you're exposed and become symptomatic, you should seek immediate medical attention. In the end, you should just handle all the chemicals in accordance with good hygiene and best safety practices. That's some great information you shared with us today, and I really appreciate you coming down. I think that anyone who's in the EMS field or is a first responder and is listening to this podcast should get some really valuable information out of this. Be careful how you handle any chemical because it could save your life. It's been my pleasure, Captain. I hope this helps our members to reduce their risk, and thank you for having me. Be safe out there. You too. Thank you for listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm Captain Farooq Muhammad. For more training and information from our department's subject matter experts, go to fdnypro.org. Thank you. FDNY Pro is online at fdnypro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest. Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred and sixty-five days a year, and when seconds count, the men and the women of the FDNY are there for us to protect us and keep us safe when the unthinkable happens. No matter the challenge, no matter the danger, our firefighters and EMTs serve with honor, dedication, and bravery. New York's bravest are there for us. Let's be there for them. Your support of the FDNY Foundation ensures that the world's best fire department has the world's best training, equipment, and education. Go to fdnyfoundation.org and help New York's bravest save a life today.